Ephesians 6:10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for, for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare boldly as they ought to speak the word of the Lord. Good morning. So my name is Dan, and uh, I'm on the leadership team here at Trailhead. And uh, so you're visiting with us this morning. Um, we're glad that uh, glad you're here, glad that you're with us, and uh, it's good to, to see all of you. Um, before we dig in, I just want to take a moment. Um, let's just pause and, and pray. Um, let's pray for um, some of the tragedies that have happened uh, around us um, in Boston and also Waco, Texas, and then recently a... Um, earthquake that just happened in China. Um, let's just pray for those those people and the victims uh, of that. Father, um, God, our hearts grieve um, f- for the people that we see uh, having to endure suffering. God, for the loss of, of life um, because of, God, the sin of others. God, the loss of life because of, of accidents that happen in um, of natural disasters that are product of just living in a, in a broken world. Um, Lord, we pray that uh, you would comfort Lord, those that have suffered, God, the loss of family members that have suffered loss of, um, because of injuries. And uh, God, that you would just comfort their grieving hearts. Um, God, we thank you for uh, your church. We thank you that, um, God, the church is growing um, in, uh, in Asia. And we just ask, God, that you would help us to embody your love, your character, um, your compassion uh, to those that are hurting. Um, we also pray for uh, this 19-year-old uh, that is the, the suspect um, in, the, in the Boston bombing. God, we pray for his soul and ask that you would speak to his heart and lead him to repentance, God, because um, we know you can. And we pray and ask that, that you will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So today we're continuing our Outfitted uh, series where we're digging into, as Apostle Paul gives us um, a metaphor, a metaphor of some armor, some armor that helps us to live and to face the challenges um, of life, that he lists these in uh, Last week, we talked about uh, Steve preached on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness, 
And if you missed last week, uh, I want to encourage you, you can go to our website and you can download sermons from, from prior weeks. Um, and I just want to encourage you to, to do that. Um, this week we're talking about shoes, the shoes of walking in the gospel, the readiness of walking in the gospel, the gospel of peace. And so this morning is a message about, uh, it's about evangelism and it's about mission. And so what I mean by evangelism and mission is simply sharing our faith, um, the good news of the peace of God, and embodying the character uh, and the nature of God to those um, around us. This is about inviting people in to our community, uh, inviting people in to relationship uh, with God. Um, This is about uh, our trailhead mission statement, which is walking in Christ as a community on mission. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit this morning and what that means to to walk in the gospel and how that empowers us. Now, if if any of you are like me, um, even like just us talking about mission today um, may make you a little nervous to hear. Uh, I was talking about evangelism. You may start to get a little squeamish as it may conjure up feelings of maybe guilt and where you see this as a, as a weakness. Uh, as a believer, maybe you struggle to share um, your faith with people around you. Um, it may stir up regret for missed opportunities that you've experienced, or you may even be worried that that we're going to throw some program at you and say, okay, this is how we're going to do um, mission at Trailhead, and this is how we're going to do evangelism, and so go and, and do this and do it our way. Um, I want to let you know that that's not where we're going. Uh, we're not going to push you um, into an awkward conversation, but hopefully this morning we're going to help you and empower you to be able to share your faith. Um, I remember as a, as a teenager, um, I got a little uh, zealous, I guess, and I didn't fully understand the gospel, and I didn't, uh, hadn't learned quite yet how to do uh, evangelism well. And um, I remember um, someone kept calling the house, and uh, it was a wrong number, obviously, and I think it was a, it was a kid. Um, he kept calling, and called numerous times, Kept telling wrong number. And uh, I got this crazy idea on one of his calls. I'm going to ask him if he knows Jesus. <laughs> and so he calls. I answer the phone. I realize it's the same number. I'm like, do you know Jesus? And I just hear, Mom! <laughs> and click off the phone. Okay, that's not how evangelism is supposed to go. Okay, we want to take advantage of the opportunity that God presents us, but we want to do that wisely. And we want to be led by the Spirit to do that and know what the gospel of peace is that we're going to be presenting. Okay? We're called to move forward with a message of peace, a message of peace and freedom, and that's where we're going today. So shoes. We're going to be talking about shoes this morning. Um, What is it that the Apostle Paul, the author of the book of Ephesians, what is he talking about in our passage today? Um, He says in our passage, and to shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Imagine walking without shoes on. I'm sure many of you have done this. You don't have to imagine uh, too hard. But imagine that um, at the end of the service today, we're going to have some people standing by the doors, and uh, that actually you wouldn't be allowed to leave until you gave them your, your shoes. They were going to collect your shoes at the end of the service. Um, you probably wouldn't be too happy about that because walking barefooted um, wouldn't be comfortable. It wouldn't be fun. Uh, you need your shoes. You need your shoes to protect your feet. Now, a soldier also needed shoes to protect their feet, um, and it was especially critical um, for them. They needed protection to walk across difficult 
terrain. Um, it was important their feet were protected because the feet, your feet carry your entire body. Um, without the ability to stand or move, a soldier would be extremely vulnerable. Now, the Roman soldiers actually had a, a little bit of an advantage compared to, to others at their time. Um, as you can see in the image here, um, there are little metal pieces um, on the bottom of their shoes, similar to, to cleats um, on baseball shoes. Okay? These uh, helped them to get traction on difficult terrain and actually gave them an advantage um, over their p- opponents that didn't, uh, that didn't have this. Okay? So the key here, the key is movement. Those help them to stand firm and to move, to move in difficult terrain. The readiness of the gospel that Paul is describing is us moving forward with the gospel of peace. To put it another way, Paul is saying, let your feet be ready to move with the gospel. So what is this gospel of peace that he's, uh, that he's describing? Um, let's take a look at a previous chapter uh, in the book of Ephesians. If you'll turn with me, page 977, just one page, one page over. We're going to look at Ephesians 2, verses 12 through 18. You'll see why we need peace. Starting at verse 12, 2.12, says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So Paul is talking here about how at one time we were separated from God without hope, um, but Jesus reconciled us. He reconciled us to God. So why, why is it that we needed reconciliation? Why did we need reconciliation from God? Well, it's because we're sinners. Okay, to put it simply, to sin means that we disobey God. That's what it means to sin, is to disobey him, to disobey our creator. Um, some of you might be familiar with uh, what's here, um, the Ten Commandments, okay, Moses, um, we also refer to these as God's law. Okay? These were some, some rules of how to live that, that God gave us. See, the deal is if you've ever broken any one of these, okay, even once, then you're a sinner. Okay? If you ever lied, if you've ever done that, if you ever not put God first in your life or worship something else more than, than him, and maybe not necessarily like a false religion, but maybe even something like money, um, if you ever worshipped anything more than you worship God, then you've sinned. If you've stolen anything, you've sinned. Um, the reality is that we're all sinners. Everyone in the room is a sinner. I'm a sinner. The Apostle Paul, who wrote the book to us, inspired by God, um, Apostle Paul said he was the worst of sinners. And because God is perfectly good and because he's perfectly just, he can't tolerate 
our sin. He can't tolerate our disobedience. Okay? If he were to ignore our sin, if he were to just ignore that and overlook it, then we wouldn't be able to say that God is perfectly just, that he is justice. And we, as humans, created in the image of God, we have a sense of that as well, that when someone commits an offense, when someone sins against another person, when someone hurts another person, we have the sense that they should suffer a consequence and be punished um, for that offense. Okay? Well, that's because we're image bearers. That's because God has created us like him, and he has given us a sense of justice. Um, and we're all sinners, and therefore we all deserve God's punishment. But here's the good news. Um, Jesus took our punishment for us. He lived a perfect life, obeying all of those Ten Commandments perfectly. Okay, He did that, and then he took our punishment, dying on the cross and being raised again on the third day. Now, scripture tells us that it was for our sake God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we could become the righteousness of God, so that we could have peace with God and not have to pay the price for our sin. So Jesus reconciled us, and we did nothing to earn it. We did nothing to deserve it, nor can we do anything to earn or deserve it. So even if we begin to understand that, that component or we, we know, we believe that Jesus exists, um, we're often still tempted to get this wrong or to not believe it completely, to misunderstand it. Because we live in a culture that says that you have value, you have worth based on your performance, okay? whether it's your job, whether it's how much money you make, whether it's um, how productive or how intelligent you are. And that's what our culture tells us our worth comes from. Okay? That means many of us apply that to the gospel in our relationship with God. That we try to make peace with God like this. And I'm going to geek out here. I've got a little chart for you. Um, okay, so we have two sides there, the bad and the good. Um, the top row is our identity, how we view ourselves or how we think God views us. And then the bottom row are actions, the things that we, that we do. And most of us think, okay, I do bad things. I sin. Okay? So therefore, I am a bad person because of these things that I do. Okay? So therefore, in order to fix it, in order to reconnect with God, to be accepted by God, I need to move over to the other side of the chart here in my actions. I need to do good things, and then God will begin to accept me. And that's what we sometimes believe, that I just need to stop doing the bad things, I need to start doing the good things so that God will accept me, because right now he doesn't. Well, I want to tell you that this um, is futile. We can never do anything to earn God's favor. This is exhausting to live in this place. And there's a better way. There's a better way. God gives us a different message, a message of peace. And so I want to show you the, the next slide here. This is what the gospel tells us. It tells us that because our hearts are bad, because we're corrupt, because we're sinful... We do bad things. It's an outflow of what's in our heart. Where God changes our heart, when we believe in Christ, 
He changes us. He makes us alive. Okay? He gives us spiritual life again. And out of that, it empowers us and enables us to do good things. Out of the love and the acceptance that he has already given us. And we won't do those things perfectly. Okay, we're still going to do bad things. Okay, because we're still corrupt, God is working to renew us and recreate us, but it's not completed. It's not completed yet, so we can't live perfectly. But we can know that in spite of our mistakes, in spite of our failures, we still have relationship with God. We still have peace with God. Because Jesus paid the price for our sin, and that means our sin past, present, and future. That we never lose God's acceptance because it's not dependent upon us. It's dependent upon what Jesus has already done for us. It's dependent upon Christ. So as a believer, we have restored relationship with God. And this is the peace that Paul is talking about. Um, so what's, what's a way that we can kind of test and see um, where we're at on those two, those two charts that I showed. Um, one thing that I found helpful is imagine, uh, you can do this now if you'd like, but don't feel like you have to. Um, imagine, you, you close your eyes and imagine you're looking face-to-face with God. Okay, we can't obviously do this. Um, he's, God's not visible to us. Um, but if we're to imagine we're looking at him right in his eyes, what's the expression on his face? How is he looking back at you? What do you imagine to be his nonverbal response as you look, look at him? Is it uncomfortable, maybe, to do that? And that can be an indicator of where we're living in regards to our means of salvation, where we're living in regards to acceptance, God's acceptance of us. Um, so if you're looking at God and you see anger, if you see disappointment, if you see sadness because... Um, you're not measuring up. I want to let you know this morning that that's not, that's not the message that Scripture gives us. God looks at you, if, if you believe in Christ, God looks at you as his, as his child, the one that he loves, the one that he died for. This is the message of the gospel. So I want you to imagine it this way as well. Um, you've probably heard stories or seen movies um, with... Uh, military movies, and there's a grenade that drops. And one of the soldiers jumps on the grenade to, um, to save his friends, to save his allies, to deaden the, the blow, the explosion, and he sacrifices his life. Now, um, we've heard stories of like, like that or seen images of that um, where it's the ally that does it. Well, Scripture tells us that we were enemies of God. We were rebels. We were in opposition because of our sin. We were in opposition to God. Well, the scene is, is that the grenade drops near us. And our enemy, the one who was our enemy, Jesus, jumps on the grenade for us. Okay? Our enemy is the one that saves us in order to make us his ally. And that's unheard of, to think of a military battle where the enemy jumps on the grenade for his enemy. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He took our punishment and he gives us life. He gives us life. Now the point is is that people need to hear this message. 
because it's a message of amnesty. Um, I've heard so many people that um, in talking with them about the gospel or about faith, um, they may be fully aware of their sin, especially people who maybe grew up in the church and have walked away. They're fully aware of their sin and fully aware of where they don't measure up um, in their relationship with God. They're not doing the right things. So they're unable to enter into that relationship with God because they think they need to start doing all of those right things in order to gain God's acceptance. Well, the message of the gospel, the message that we have for them is no, it's not, you don't have to do it that way. Believe in Christ and he loves you and accepts you. He forgives you of those sins. You don't first change in order to get God's acceptance. You receive God's acceptance and he then changes you. He will change our hearts so that we live differently. And this is the message that we've received. That God has reached out to us, changes our hearts, and makes us the sons and daughters. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop at him doing that in our hearts. We're to move forward with that message. Like the Roman soldier whose shoes had the spikes in them. Those were to help him, to equip him to move forward, both in the strength that the gospel provides in regards to, to our identity, that's how we can do this, and to move forward to share that same message um, with others. So I want to share an image here with you. June 6, 1944, um, World War II, D-Day, uh, the Battle of Normandy. Um, this was a day when some 156,000 Allied troops landed on... Uh, a 50-mile stretch of heavily fortified um, beaches in France. By late August of the same year, all of northern France had been liberated for Nazi Germany's control. And by spring, the Allies had defeated the Germans. The Normandy landings had been called the beginning of the end of the war in Europe. And many brave lives were lost in this battle. Uh, But the victory was won. The Allied troops had established a beachhead, and it was simply just a matter of time, essentially just a matter of time before the war was over. And the Allies were carrying forward the victory that had been won in these battles, completing the end of the Nazi rule. The Allies were bringing peace to Europe and freeing the captives. And I can't can't imagine um, being one of the soldiers here on this boat that there are bullets flying past them. There are mortars that are exploding around them. They'd be seeing their friends and fellow soldiers being killed. I can imagine that this was pretty scary to know that any moment they're going to make it to land and that door is going to drop and they're going to have to run and run out there into that mess. Okay? And I think that's the way a lot of us feel uh, in some regard, in a pale comparison, but the way we feel in regards to mission. We feel that there's going to be an opportunity, and all of a sudden that door's going to open, and we've got to go, and we've got to deliver the gospel. And it freaks us out. We're scared about how that is going to go. Okay. But the reason I share this story is to give us uh, a better example of, of mission. Um, See, some have said that that battle at Normandy, that at that battle, the war was essentially won and that the rest was just carrying out 
in a sense, the cleanup operation, just carrying forward what had already been won. Um, Jesus' death and resurrection was, in a sense, a D-Day for our redemptive history. See, the battle there was already won, the battle against sin and death. Jesus had already come. He had declared his kingdom, and the battle had been won. So we're not in the position where we're storming that beach. That battle has already been won. We've already been given life. We've already been given freedom. Our mission is to go and carry that forward, to go and share the victory that has already been accomplished. So I said that Jesus declared his, his kingdom. Um, what do I mean when I talk about, when I say that Jesus declared his kingdom? Uh, there are a lot of references in the New Testament. Jesus talks a lot about um, his kingdom, establishing his kingdom, that he brought the kingdom. Um, we know that everything, everything around us, everything we can see, um, the entire creation belongs to God. It's all technically his kingdom. So what are we talking about here when we say Jesus is bringing his kingdom? Well, wasn't it already here then if everything is his? Um, what we mean when we talk about God's kingdom, we're talking about everywhere where his rule and reign is embraced, everywhere where his ethic and character is embodied, and where his power is experienced. So this is about living life as God created us and intended um, for us to live. So we talked about the, the Ten Commandments earlier, uh, as I showed that, that image earlier. Um, why did God give us those? Why did God give us the Ten Commandments? And you may think, well, those, that was how, what we needed to do in order to be saved. The reason God gave us the Ten Commandments was to show us how to live, to show us life as he intended it. So think of it this way. Imagine a world where those were lived out perfectly. Okay? There's no more crime no more murder, no more lying. We didn't have to worry about leaving our computer out at the coffee shop and walking away. We didn't have to worry about it being missing when we got back. Okay. No more violence. You see, that kind of utopia, in a sense, is what God had created us to be like. That was life before, before sin entered into the picture. Okay. And our sin messed that up. It broke our relationship with God and our relationship um, with others. So Jesus' Jesus's death and resurrection established the beachhead, the beachhead of God restoring his kingdom on earth, allowing us, empowering us to live life the way he created us to live it. Okay? And we're to spread, we're to advance that message forward. I want to take a moment to look at Ephesians 5 just to the left of, of our passage for this morning. Ephesians 5, 1, page 978. It says, Therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children. Verse 2, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as fragrant offerings and sacrifice to God. So what, what God is saying here, he's saying, imitate me because I love you. Imitate me because you are my son. Imitate me 
because you are my daughter. And by you're not imitating me in order to earn my favor, you imitate me because you already have it. You already have my favor. And that should empower us to incarnate God's grace, God's love, God's peace and forgiveness, and to take that message to others as we imitate him. Because one day God's going to fully restore creation. One day, as believers in Christ, we're going to see life as it should be. We're going to see life with the absence of of sin as God works to recreate and restore creation. But unfortunately, as it's pretty obvious, uh, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Our world is still broken by sin, as we've seen, especially this last week. Um, But as believers, we're to embody God's kingdom here and now, even though it's not fully it's not fully here yet. It hasn't been fully restored. Uh, so this is about loving others and incarnate, incarnating God's love. Um, author James Metzler put it this way in regards to our mission. He says, The call to incarnate God's loving forgiveness and freeing reconciliation in a world of hostility, extending and actualizing God's peace, God's peace in the world, is our mission. So our goal is to move forward with God's message of peace and reconciliation, inviting people into his kingdom, into his peace. It's not about convincing people about rules or that they need to do things um, a certain way, to do things the the right way, Um, because the gospel isn't about living life right. The gospel is about relationship with God. It's about relationship with him. And that relationship changes us so that we can live life differently. And we can move forward in the joy of knowing that we're fully accepted by God and that our worth isn't determined by our performance. Okay, so how do we do this? How do we, um, what's a method that we've kind of embraced here at Trailhead? It's not the only one, but it's one of our primary methods. Um, I like to think of it this way, um, a metaphor that... um, Steve Timmis and Tim Chester gave us in their book, Total Church. It's this metaphor of a three-stranded rope. Okay, I believe we have an image there. Um, it's a three-stranded rope where, uh, now there's no particular order to these. Okay, these work in cooperation with each other as we explain these, but it's not a, a one, step one, step two, step three. Okay, they work in combination with each other. Um, so the first component is we seek to build relationship with the people around us. Okay, who are the people that you're coming in contact with? Okay, is it, um, is there a place you go regularly to get your coffee? Is it a coworker? Okay, is it the guy working the counter at the gas station? Okay, where is it that there are people around you that you can just get to know and build a relationship with them? Your neighbors, people next door, do you know their names? Do you know their stories? Do you know where they might be struggling? Do you know what makes them excited and gives them joy? Um, Do you know them? Are you serving them? Are you willing to, if maybe they're sick or maybe if it's a family that's just had a baby, um, you take them a meal or maybe you go mow their grass when they can't do something or just getting their mail for them when they're out of town, keeping an eye on their place? Are you building relationship with the people around you um, and getting to know their stories? 
And when we do this, we get a chance to embody the compassion and character of Christ to them. Um, it was Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. Okay, so that means there are other ways that we can share the gospel other than just speaking it. So build relationship, serve the people around you. Secondly, we introduce them to community. Here at Trailhead, we have community groups. We have 13 uh, community groups throughout the area. Um, Here in Edwardsville, Maryville, Collinsville, Granite City, Highland. We have a group that just launched in Highland that we're really excited about. Um, 13 community groups here at Trailhead. And these are groups that meet regularly in homes or places throughout the community to do life together and for the purpose of advancing uh, the gospel and embodying Christ in our communities. Okay, so we want to share the gospel message of reconciliation and invite people in to the community that, that we're a part of. Okay, we want to invite others uh, into that. This is where we seek we can be known and accepted. Okay, and we need other people to help us. We need other people to help us in life that we weren't created to be alone, and we shouldn't be. We don't have to be. So if you're not in a community group, I want to encourage you to, to join one. Um, you can talk to me after the service if you'd like, and uh, we would love to get you plugged into a community group if you're not, not currently in one. Um, and community groups seek to serve our community. Um, in our groups, we pray for our neighbors. We look for opportunities to do things for them. Um, we had a great example of this uh, just this weekend. Um, we have uh, the Brown Community Group in, in Glen Carbon, and um, they are building relationships with, with the neighbors around the host home, Jared and Sarah Browns. And um, what they did Friday night is they hosted a, a kids' night where they invited parents to come and drop off their kids so they could go and have a date night. And so the community group came over to their house. They set up some activities. They had things for the kids to do. They had food for them. And it allowed the parents to go and strengthen their marriage, to spend time with one another without the kids and uh, so that community group helped enable that to happen. And at the same time, they're serving and they're building a relationship. Um, so just an awesome example of some of the things that we do um, in our community groups as we seek to build a relationship and embody um, the gospel, serving our neighbors. So the third strain of this um, is evangelism. And this is where we actually share uh, the gospel. Um, it can be verbally. And this is uh, sharing what God is doing in our lives, sharing what God has done for us, sharing our joys, and sharing the pains of living in a broken world, and where God and his gospel speaks into that, what the gospel says about it. We share our stories of where God has forgiven us, the mistakes that we've made, and that we're not, our identity isn't based on our mistakes or our performance. So we look for entry gates into conversation with other people um, to find out what they believe and to find out... Um, where they may have some misconceptions about the gospel, where they may be living out of that um, works-based structure that I mentioned earlier, thinking if I do good things, then God will accept me. And we're to take the gospel to them and clarify that and say, no, it's free. God gives it to you. It's grace. It's not performance. It's grace. So we want to attempt to communicate uh, truth to them. So if if you would, turn with me. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is on page 966. Chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. 
Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And I said earlier that um, I hope to remove the burden of guilt or maybe fear when it comes to evangelism and mission. Um, because the gospel says that we don't earn God's favor through our performance. And this applies to evangelism as well. So if you're a believer and you're thinking, you know what, I don't do this well. I don't do evangelism well. I don't, I'm not good at sharing my faith about living this out. Um, you're still accepted by God, okay? Your salvation isn't based on your performance in, in the realm of evangelism, as it isn't based on performance anywhere in life. But because of what God has done for us, we should want to share our faith. We should want to be proficient in sharing the gospel. We should want to know it and for it to change our hearts and allow us to live differently. We should want those things, okay? We should want to declare a message of freedom to people around us. We should desire that. So there's a quote in your bulletin um, by Steve Timmis and Tim Chester. It says, You cannot be committed to the gospel without being committed to proclaiming that gospel. So if we're apathetic in proclaiming the gospel and sharing this message, um, we need to ask ourselves, do we, do we truly believe it? Do we truly know it, understand it ourselves? And are we willing to share it? And if not, why? Why? There's something potentially wrong there that we need to ask God to search our hearts and convict us and change us. So I want to share another picture um, with you here. This is another picture from uh, World War II of a, a Nazi prison camp, concentration camp. Okay. The Allies have just liberated um, the prisoners here. And you can see, if you can see their faces um, from where you're sitting, you can see there's joy on the faces there. Um, you can see the man in the, in the back standing on the um, elevated there celebrating. Those people are celebrating. There's joy. And I can't imagine what that must have been like for um, the soldiers, the U.S. soldiers, to go and know that here is a place where people have been oppressed, have been essentially their dignity taken away from them, lives lost, a place of immense pain and suffering, and they're going and opening the doors for them. They're going and taking them peace and setting them free. And there's a joy that comes from that. There's a joy that must have been, I can only imagine the joy that was experienced there, and as we can see in this image. And you could say that if, if D-Day had gone differently, if that battle hadn't been won, we might not have seen this picture. This may have looked drastically different than what we see now. But my point is, is that the battle was already won. 
the milestone battle was won, and they were able to go and carry forward the message of peace, the message of freedom. And as believers, that's what we're called to do. Okay, the battle has already been won. And we can walk forward and share the message of peace, share the message of reconciliation with others, and that should make us excited to know that I'm not going to convince someone of believing the way that I believe just for the sake of thinking like me, that I don't have to convince them. I'm going to share them, share with them the good news, share with them freedom and peace in relationship with God. See, in order for these prisoners' freedom to be realized, the Allies had to continue the fight and actually carry that message forward. It's the same way with us. The battle has been won, but God has given us the mission of carrying it forward, of spreading that message that the battle is won, that we are free, and God gives us grace and forgives us of our trespasses. That is our message that God has reconciled us to himself, that we didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. It's free. It's a gift. The invitation is open. We're to have on the shoes of readiness, ready to move forward in sharing the gospel of peace, called to embody Christ in the new kingdom and share his message. Um, So what can we do? What can we do to live this out? What action can we take? I just want to encourage you to pray about your own heart. Ask God to search it. Say, God, where am I not understanding this? Where have I grown apathetic in sharing what I believe? Or am I misunderstanding what I actually believe and what your gospel says? Who is it that you can seek to know, to build relationship with, that's already around you? Someone that you see maybe regularly and you know nothing about. Where can you build relationship with them? Asking them their name, asking them what their story is. Um, How can you do that? Where can you seek to love and serve someone? Um, Now, we have community groups that this is a chance where you get to join others in doing that. You don't have to do this alone. As we come together in community, the community group looks for ways to build relationship, looks for ways to serve others. Um, Maybe this is what's a hobby that you like or have always wanted to get into, Um, and you can start to do that and to do that with intention, that you're going to be building relationships with people, and these are going to be people that you're not normally in contact with, that you can begin to get to know, and then potentially eventually share the gospel um, with them. Community group may look to say, okay, what are some of the nonprofit organizations in our area helping maybe the poor, um, helping those that are disabled or the elderly? And we can join forward as a community group in serving, serving and loving them. And the gospel allows us to be bold, both in our understanding and identity, our peace with God, and allows us to be bold in sharing our message, the gospel of peace. So if you're afraid to climb out of the boat, just like those soldiers I'm sure were on D-Day, that battle is already won, and I want to encourage you with that. Okay, Now we're, we're carrying forward the battle that has already been won. And so we want to invite you to be a part of that.